All right. I'm ready. Are you ready? Born ready. ready? Okay. All right. So today on Seeking Wisdom, we're going to talk about a topic that is surely to get to get you fired up. What's and that? Should, uh, it is this whole idea that uh, product managers are the CEO of their products. Oh boy, here it comes. I'm ready. Damn, my uh, blood pressure just went up. Yeah. All right. Hit me with it. You've said this before. I think one time I said to you, like, well, yeah, like product managers are CEO, and you just were like, no. The hell no. The CEO is the CEO. All right. Tell That's me. It. Tell me. You had a good line about this. So tell me. Tell me the. First of all, tell me why do you think this is something that people think about? Hmm. Good question. I don't know where it stems from because I've uh, encountered it many times in yeah. the past. So I, I'm not sure what what the idea here is. Okay. Um, but you know, you I've heard many times this idea of like, oh, you're the mini C product managers and mini CEOs, or they're the CEO of the product, yeah. or something like that. And my reaction is always the same: No, they're not. The CEO is the CEO. <laughs> the product manager is a product manager. Right. He is not the CEO of the product or the C mini CEO. Right, and uh, because it's totally different, they don't have the same responsibilities. The job is nothing; um, they're nothing alike. And so, I don't know where where this uh, analogy comes from. I actually I wrote down what you said in this tweet. Tell um, me. you said the CEO has authority; the product manager has none. Exactly. Boom! I said that. You said that. Damn, that was good. <laughs> yep, that's no, but, it. But okay, even beyond the whole like CEO versus product manager thing. Isn't part of it because of like your whole thought on being customer driven and what the product manager mm-hmm. should be responsible mm-hmm. for anyway? It's not just the actual role thing. Oh yeah. So yeah, to me like it's all about being as you've heard before, being customer driven. That includes the CEO. But now we're talking about the product manager. Yeah. And the product manager is a tricky role, which I've talked a lot about in the past, uh because uh it's something that is hard to define. And is usually company specific, so everyone has their own little dif- different definition of what a product manager does. And so, um, but for me, a product manager is all about being uh, the customer, the bridge to the customer. That doesn't mean that the rest of the company and the rest of the people that the product manager works for the, uh, only talk to the customer through the product manager. But the product manager should be focused externally on the customer. And uh, also internally on the internal set of customers. And that's what they're spending their time doing. That's very different than a CEO role, different level of authority. And when you build this structure, in my opinion, of like this idea of a, you have a CEO, then you have these mini CEOs or whatever you want to call them, uh, then, um, then you're building the wrong kind of – you're setting up the wrong incentives inside the company. You're setting up the product managers to want to play the bad version of a CEO, which is authoritarian. I can't say that word. Yeah. Authoritative yeah. Uh, kind of role, and uh, and that's not at all what you know what the product managers should be doing. They should be the servant of the customer, not the authority. Internal. Right. So instead of so- saying like, "This is our roadmap. This is when we're launching this thing. Mm-hmm. This is what we're. This is why we're building this thing." Like. That's just a whole change in mindset of the two roles. Absolutely. And I think when people hear uh, the idea of being a CEO, they think they need to put on their CEO pants. Okay, I'm going to put my CEO pants on now, and I'm going to like tell people what to do, and this is, this is what yeah. being a CEO is. But we all know that's, that's not true, at least not the good version. Yeah, and this isn't even just a product manager thing. I think this is like something across the board. There's no such thing as a mini CEO or a CEO of X. Yes, you know? not at all. There's only one CEO, and then there's... Your role, whatever your role is, maybe your role is the CEO or your role is something else. And the CEO also needs to be the servant of the customer, 
uh, and the servant of the team and the, and the investor. And this is something that we've talked about all the time, which is like the whole accountability and transparency stuff that we mm-hmm. talk about at Drift. Like imagine operating in a world where there were four or five mm-hmm. mini CEOs. Yep. Like who is in charge? Who's in charge? Right? When everybody's anarchy. responsible, nobody's responsible. That's it. I love that quote. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had experience in the past, which we've talked about, uh, about coming into a situation where there were mini CEOs and <laughs> and then we were going to um, organize them through having a product board meeting and all these Ugh. mini CEOs came in and it was, you know, a complete nightmare, right? Everyone, just like you said, when everyone's in charge, no one's in charge. And it just led to <clears throat> lots of people with different agendas competing with each other instead of being aligned with the customer, which is what we all should be. Yeah. All right. So that is product managers are not the CEO. Hell no. Now, one thing that we got to start plugging because we're going to release it at the end of the what month. What are we plugging? Uh, you wrote a book. What? And we're going to release it. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. That's right. Yeah. So should we tell them the title? Yeah, of the tell book them the yet? title. Actually, tell them what we were going to name it, and then tell, let's talk about the whole process. Right, the whole, the whole process. Yeah. That's good. So for, for a long time, <clears throat> I thought about writing a book. And um, because we get a lot of questions about how we, how we organize companies, how we organize product teams, how we build things, and I've always, uh, at least for the last decade, have uh, gone on about you know this customer-driven way, right? Just what we were talking about earlier. And so people have asked me, like, is there a book? Is there something that I can read? Like, where can I learn more? I'm interested in this. Do you have examples? And so I've been putting those together, and uh, we're going to release a book. The book was going to be called Customer Driven. Yeah, Customer Driven something, right? Something. Customer Driven was going to be the main title. The main title. And, uh, and you know, I never – it's always what I've called. I never thought about, um, you know, giving it a different title. And then uh, I this week – I talked to Dave and I talked to Eric, who's helped me write the book, uh, and and thought like, no, let's rename the book. We came up with a new title. Are you ready to hear the yeah. title? Hit the people with the title. The title is called Hypergrowth. Mm. There we go. Right. Mm-hmm. So we wanted it to be less about um, customer driven. Could be hard to explain. Like customer driven to me is the how, right? And we, I wanted a title and have been thinking about a title that wasn't the how, but was really the why, right? Mm-hmm. And the why, as Simon Sinek would say, the why is the most important thing, right? So the why is hypergrowth. That's why you want to read this book, because you want to learn about hypergrowth. And then you want to, the how is through this customer-driven way that we'll talk about in the book. And, uh, and then the, you know, why this is happening now is because of the shift that we see at Drift and uh, many other companies see in the way that they're running and so many of the companies that we see today and that we admire today are customer-driven and are customer-focused and are built around the customer. That is the difference to us between an Amazon versus a Walmart, a you know Airbnb versus a Marriott, yeah. right? The difference, a Tesla versus a Ford, right? The main difference is where they put the customer in terms of priority. And you see those, custom, those companies that are closer to the customer are winning. And that is what we talk about in the book. Yeah, and you've been you've been doing a bunch of speaking, and like all these ideas have come up from different places, and that's kind of where we landed on the the hypergrowth thing, which mm-hmm. is like think about uh, what's one of the company examples that you've been giving in your deck. Isn't like Lego one example? Or, yeah, or, Legos. Yeah. In, so I gave a talk at Mind the Product in London. Uh, we'll put a link to those slides in yeah, the yeah, notes. Sure. And uh, it, we we talked about different examples of companies that weren't customer-focused and then became customer-focused. And one of them was Lego. And Lego 
We all know what Lego is, right? We all played with Lego. We, we all, all stepped loved, on a, lo- a yeah, Lego in the, in the yeah, night. And yelled <laughs> uh, and loved Lego. But what uh, the story is, this transition that Lego in the 80s and 90s went from a place where they got rid of their existing long-term designers that have been on the team. They replaced them with a bunch of great hotshot designers from all the top art design schools in the world. And then they sought out those designers, knew, uh, thought they knew the job to be done. And to me, this might be a problem with the job to be done approach, right? Because it takes the customer out of the equation. It's It might be better than Agile, but it still removes the customer. And jobs to be done mm-hmm. still, mm-hmm. Uh, in my mind, uh, is us saying that we know better. We know the job. The customer doesn't know the job. We know the job the customer should be doing. Uh, where our approach in customer-driven is, no, we are starting from the customer and reacting to the customer. Yeah. Anyway... Uh, they thought the job to be done, the designers at Lego, was to innovate, that that their customers, they believed, wanted more innovation. And so uh, they went on and built a gazillion new models of of Lego and kind of took it in a direction that was almost unrecognizable to the Lego customers. And what happened was, you know, uh, they started to lose money. They lost $300 million in one year. The next year, they forecast to, uh, to lose $400 million. And Lego, if you don't know, is the most profitable toy brand in the world, right? And so this is the most t- profitable toy brand in the world. They're only outdone in, in absolute sales by uh, Mattel with Barbie, but their, their, pr- their profit margin is way higher than, uh, than Barbie. So they're the most profitable. They went from losing $300 million, $400 million. They brought in a new CEO. The CEO said, from now on, we are never going to design something without the customer being part of that process. And they began to talk to their customers, and they found the thing that the customer wanted was not all of these newfangled innovations. What they wanted was simply to build, right? That is why you wanted Lego. And so they went back to their roots, got rid of a bunch of SKUs that they had created, and uh, a few years later, they were... You know, they were back to making billions of dollars per year, two and a half billion, I, I believe, and then uh, a few years later, that than that, uh, five billion dollars. That's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, amazing. That is the difference. That's a transformation of going from we know better than the customer, right? We know the job to be done. We are smarter than the customer. To flipping into the other side, yeah. which we're talking about in hypergrowth, which is no, we are not smarter than the customer. We are here to serve the customer, and we are going to incorporate the customer throughout the life cycle of building the product. I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, that is the best book sneak preview we could have gotten. You could take notes and transcribe that. But uh, here's the deal: we're going to launch it, and just like all of our content uh, here at Drift, it's going to be 100% free. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to fill out, no forms to fill out, nothing like that. Mm. Do but I have to give you my social security number? You don't. Okay. Uh, your, I'll take your credit card number. Though. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> but here's the deal. We obviously need a way to tell you about the book. So all you have to do, if you're already on our email list at Drift, then you'll be the first to find out. The easiest way to find out, go to our blog at the top. It says get our emails. If you get our emails, you're going to be the first people to know about it. And I think we might just start releasing a couple chapters uh, a couple weeks early to that email group yeah yeah to that email group we'll give everybody a Mm -hmm. a sneak peek at it there first Mm -hmm. and uh yeah we'll be talking about it more but you know head over to our blog and if you follow any of our stuff that we do at drift you won't miss a book i promise and you know if i give you my email address are you going to spam me no absolutely and and all the emails come from me dave and uh i reply to everybody so if i send you something bad 
I will reply back to you when you roast me for it. I promise. Absolutely. Uh, even though there's haters, which is fine. It's the difference between you know haters, haters and and people who, who mm. are mad at me. I need more uh, haters. So anyway, uh, oh, one other thing. What's that? Let's give a shout out to our friends at Mailchimp this week. Shout it out! <laughs> Damn. <laughs> all right. Let's all. If you have a hat on, take the hat off. Take it off. We need to salute. Yeah. Our boys at Mailchimp. Yeah. Salute. To Ben, who runs MailChimp, and the whole MailChimp team, because t- this week, they finally, there was a lot of mystery f- for many years. No one, because MailChimp, if you don't know, is a private company, or MailChimp. MailChimp, yeah, that's yeah, right. <laughs> yep. uh, is a private company, and so no one really knew what their revenues yep. were. And this week, there's an article in the New York Times. Yep. If you haven't, if you can't find it, just look at I'll put at it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, Dave will put it in the show notes. And they un- unveiled. Are you ready for this, Dave? You ready? Hundred million revenue? Pff, come on, kid. <laughs> two? Come on. What was it? Last year they did two hundred and sixty million, mm-hmm. and they are on track this year to end the year at four hundred million. <laughs> Damn, those are some numbers. That's How a- many Bugattis is that? That, that I mean, that is like just just Google like other public company revenues, yes. and you're, you'll get a sense for the, the How scale. How big that is! And I wow. think that that this I, this article had everybody talking. It was it was five hundred p- employees, crazy. right? Uh, yeah. Half the number of most public companies that have half the revenue, and four hundred million revenue. Yeah. Let's say that again. Four hundred million. You know what that is? Four hundred Bugattis. <laughs> Okay? You got to get your Hold Bugatti on. So, on. so to bring this whole thing back, I just pulled up the article because I want to read this quote. This mm-hmm. is the one that had us all thinking. Um, at the time, MailChimp faced a host of larger and better capitalized rivals, including mm-hmm. Constant Contact, which went public in 2007. And Dave worked there? I worked there. But Mr. Chestnut said that MailChimp had a proximity to its customers that its competitors lacked. Wait, wait, Dave. Rewind. Say that one more time. A proximity to its customers that its competitors lacked, which is why they were able to take down a publicly traded company in the same exact space. Would you call that hypergrowth? I would call it hypergrowth. Would you call it customer-driven? I would call $400 million hypergrowth. Me too. <laughs> So okay. that's the deal. I'll put now, the link in the show salute. notes. All right, yeah. let's all salute. Pour and, a little bit out. Yeah. Pour a little bit and, out and for Ben. And one more shout out for our, our content. This is, um, so, uh, Elias, who is our, our CTO here, he doesn't write a lot, but when he writes, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. And so he's writing an article that's going to come out when you listen to this podcast next week. And it's about the difference between customer feedback from free users and paid customers. Damn, science. Science. So we got a lot of good stuff for you. Check it all out. It'll all be on the blog. Don't forget the blog, blog.drift.com. Go to the top. Sign up for the email newsletters. We're not selling you anything. It's all free. You're going to be the first ones to find out about the book and get free access to that book. And I know you're hiding and you still haven't given me a five-star review. Let's get it. Let's Let's do it. it. One last sign up for the haters. Unsubscribe. Unsubscribe, haters. We're out. See ya.